Welcome back into the Nick Bob podcast. And I am fired up for this pod because the wait is finally over. Today, it is May 31st, 2023, which means today is the deadline for players to either stay in the NBA draft or withdraw from the NBA draft. And most notably, two Creighton Blue Jays have been going through that process and two Creighton Blue Jays have decided to spend another year in Omaha. So we got to start there. And I got a lot of thoughts on both Kalkbrenner and Alex Alexander because it's been a stressful few weeks in Blue Jay land as Kalkbrenner and Trey Alexander have been going through the NBA draft process. Both were at the NBA draft combine. Both did workouts for, for teams, individual workouts for teams uh, in in the past few weeks. And both have decided to withdraw from the NBA draft and return to Creighton, which is absolutely enormous for Greg McDermott and the Blue Jays. Uh, th- this now puts the expectation level for Creighton next year back up high. And Creighton is poised for potentially another big, big year. Kalkbrenner, Trey Alexander, and Baylor Shireman all back. That's that's a that's as good of a trio as you'll find in college basketball, man. And then you add in the Utah State transfer, Stephen Ash- Ashworth, and Creighton's legit, a legit preseason top ten, top fifteen team. But l- let's let's back up a little bit and. Because again, like I said, I'm taping this. It's about oh, it's about nine thirty p.m. Central Time, May thirty first, which again was the deadline to withdraw from the draft. Kalkbrenner ended the drama uh, a few days prior to the deadline and announced that he is coming back. and And Kalkbrenner announced uh, <laughs> he did it in the most Kalkbrenner way. Simple tweet, no theatrics, no video, no drama. He simply tweeted, "Quote: I am coming back to Creighton for another year." <laughs> if you know Kalkbrenner, that's just that's who he is. He doesn't want any drama. He doesn't like he he doesn't he doesn't like any of the theatrics and all that stuff when it comes to social media. I'm coming back to Creighton for another year. You can just kind of hear his monotone bass voice. Just what should I say? I'll just say I'm coming back to Creighton for another year. Let's just say that. Okay, great. <laughs> so Kalkbrenner into the drama a few days prior to the deadline. But Trey Alexander, boy, it's been an interesting day on Twitter. Uh, I've been I was just kind of glued to my phone more than usual where I was pulling up Twitter, pulling up Trey Alexander's page, pulling up Twitter, looking at Twitter, looking at Twitter, trying to send out a few texts. You hearing anything, man, what's going on? And Creighton made everybody sweat for a while. And he waited all the way around till about seven, seven thirty PM Central Time on May thirty first, where he announced that he is coming back. And that's huge. Now, obviously, again, Baylor Shireman, by the way, he announced like a month and a half ago that he was returning to Creighton. He didn't even go through this draft process. He did that last year after his uh, season at South Dakota State before he ended up transferring to to Creighton. But so he's, he, he did this whole process last year. He got feedback from, from the NBA. I, I think he didn't want to go through all that again, so he decided he's coming back, even though you, you can't for, lose sight of that. Like, he's, he's a very important cog. I wanted to mention that. But that trio, Shireman, Alexander, Kalkbrenner, is legit. But let, let's unpack each guy here, the the two main guys here. Let's start with Trey Alexander since he's top of mind and making, making everybody sweat all the way up to, uh, to, uh, to the deadline date. So he decides to come back. 
first of all, I think he's making the right decision. With Ryan Nemhard gone, and with Stephen Ashworth coming in to replace Ryan Nemhard at point guard, I look at that that backcourt configuration from a skill set standpoint, and although Ashworth is the point guard, the fact that Ashworth is an elite shooter, like one of the best or arguably the best three-point shooter in the country, made 111 threes last year. I mean, he's top five shooter in the country, over 40%. But the fact that Ashworth is an elite three-point shooter allows him to play off the ball. Like you can you can run him off screens, off, off away screens. You can you can plant him in the corner to space the floor. You can play Ashworth off the ball, which means Trey Alexander can play on the ball more. You weren't really going to do that with Ryan Nemhard. Not a great three point shooter. He was a guy that where he needed the ball in his hands a lot. That was where he was at his best. Ashworth can play off the ball a little bit. That's huge for Trey Alexander because I got to assume that Trey Alexander playing on the ball more as a point guard, you know, really, really being a a, a focal point on the ball. I got to assume that is exactly what the NBA wants to see more of from him because Alexander, he's a combo guard and maybe even at the NBA level, he's going to have to be a point guard and he's got to showcase more of that point guard element and more on the ball than he has so far. Really outside of that stretch at the end of his freshman year where he filled in for the injured Ryan Nemhard, he's played off the ball for the lion's share of his time in college. And so I just think the roster configuration sets up for Trey Alexander to really showcase a ton. He's going to have the ball in his hands more. He's going to have the ball in his hands all the time. He is, without a doubt, Creighton's most dynamic creator on offense. And the Jays are going to need him to be in attack mode with the ball in his hands all the time, every game, all game. So I think this is a tailor-made situation for Alexander, potentially to boost his NBA draft stock in a major way by returning. And, and that's the thing about all these guys that have these decisions to make on should I stay in the draft, should I stay in college, should I go, should I stay, play another year. I think the big thing to consider when you're in that spot is this. Is the question from the NBA about you, you being the prospect, is the question from the NBA about you answerable by returning to college? And then subsequently, can your stock really increase if you answer that question? So it's kind of a two-part question. And if the answer to that two-part question is yes, then returning to college is probably a pretty good idea, pretty good move. Certainly, you know, there's a lot of different variables within all of that. But generally speaking, oversimplified, Is the question about you from the NBA answerable by returning? And can you really increase your stock by answering that question? If the answer is yes, then returning is smart. Look at Doug McDermott a handful of years ago. I mean, Doug was, I mean, he 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 was coming off being a back-to-back All-American, unbelievable score, led his team to the NCAA tournament. 
But I think the big question for for McDermott from the NBA was, okay, yeah, he's he's killing Missouri Valley Conference guys. He's killing Ev- Evansville, and he's killing Indiana State. Okay, could he? Can he do it against better athletes? Well, it just so happened that Creighton was transitioning to the Big East, so that situation was that that question was going to be available for him to answer. Like, I wonder, I don't know if I've ever asked Doug this question. If Creighton was not going to the Big East, would he have stayed, would he have left after his junior year? I don't know. Because I do think that Big East move really provided him an opportunity to answer one of the big questions from the NBA. Can he do it against better athletes, real athletes, Villanova athletes, Georgetown athletes, Marquette athletes? Can he do it against those guys? Well, Doug answered that question emphatically, yes, he can. And certainly there were other things, you know, can he, can, can he develop more game off the bounce, continue to showcase his three-point shooting, et cetera, et cetera. And he did that too. So if you think about it, Doug McDermott went from like a fringe first rounder, maybe could have fallen to the second round after his junior year, to coming back his senior year, playing another year, and he becomes a lottery pick. He becomes the 11th pick in the draft. Now, I don't know if Trey can play his way into being a lottery pick, but I think he can definitely improve his stock from a, you know, a mid to late second round guy to being a potential first round pick, especially if he shows more game on the ball, which he will get tons of opportunities to do this year because of how the roster sets up. So, I think the first thing is like, was it the right decision? I think it was the right decision for Trey Alexander. And listen, I'm not just saying that because it's Creighton. For example, I thought Justin Patton made the right decision for him at the time to leave after his redshirt freshman year. I thought his stock was probably the highest it was ever going to get at that point. He, He had that P word going for him, potential which is super seductive for a lot of these NBA teams. They get a little glimmer of something, a little flash of something, and they see the size, they see the, 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 what could be, and boy, t- teams start falling over themselves. And I felt like, you know, anytime you can be a top 15 pick, anytime you're, you're a projected lottery pick, you got to go in my opinion. So I thought he made the right move. So I'm I'm not just saying, hey, Trey Alexander made the right move because it's Creighton. I think I think it's the right move based on logic that I tried to kind of lay out. I think, to be honest, I think Trey Alexander was a second rounder. If a few things went and fell the wrong way on draft night, maybe he's even undrafted. Who knows? And I think if he has a big year this upcoming season and showcases being on the ball more, I think he could play his way into maybe being a first-rounder. So I think he made the right decision. A couple other thoughts with Trey Alexander. One of the things that stands out to me with with Trey Alexander in his two years at Creighton is the improvement and the rate of it has been unbelievable to watch. I've told this story before, but I'll, I'll tell it again. Like I remember thinking halfway through... Trey Alexander's freshman year. I was walking out of the CHI Health Center. I was I'd broadcasted a game. I was talking to a few uh, other media members about 
the, the team and we got on to Trey Alexander and I was just like, man, you know, I think Trey Alexander is a nice role player. I don't know if he's ever going to be more than just a role player, though. Like, I don't know if he'll ever be the guy. Like, those words came out of my mouth. And I'd like to think I at least know something about basketball. But I was like, I don't know. I mean, he's not a great athlete. I mean, he's he can't shoot. I I, think I like him. Don't get me wrong. He's a guy you want on your team. I don't know if he's ever going to be a, just a drop-dead, shut-it-down star. Like, I think about that. And then contrast it with what he's done over the course of the last, you know, 10 games of his freshman year and then his sophomore year and the fact that he had a real decision to make with entering the NBA draft after his sophomore year, it's it's remarkable. Keep in mind, through the first 19 games of Trey Alexander's freshman year, he only scored in double figures three times. That's it. He was like a dude that would come in, you didn't know, would be okay off the bench. Maybe get you like six points. Maybe. To contrast that to now, it is just an astonishing rate of improvement. And my thing was at the time, because you can laugh at me if you want, but at the time, I think there were more people that probably would have agreed with me. Like, because my thing at the time was he can't shoot. And if you can't shoot, you got a ceiling as a player, especially as a 6'4 guard. But to think about how Alexander played after Ryan Nemhard went down from that night at St. John's when Nemhard got hurt, from that moment, it is incredible how much better he's gotten. He went from a, a pretty bad shooter, 28% from three, only made 18 total threes as a freshman, to a not good, but a great shooter. 41% three-point shooter this last year, and he made 66 total threes on the season. He had two games where he made seven threes. And, and he's a legit, reliable go-to creator where he's closing out NCAA tournament games and making game-winning plays. It's just, you know, there, there have been a lot of incredible player development improvement stories at Creighton under Greg McDermott. You know, Justin Patton, Kyrie Thomas, Martin Crumple, Christian Bishop, Ryan Kalkbrenner, Damian Jefferson. All those guys in their own way and in their own path improved a ton. But I don't think anybody or any of the guys I just named improved at a faster at a more rapid rate than Trey Alexander did from late February of his freshman year to the end of his sophomore year. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. And that is something that would make him intriguing to NBA teams. Like his improvement and the rate of it, you got to think that his best basketball is ahead of him and he's got, he's got even more steps to take forward. And I think now the thing that's exciting is 
he's going to take those steps forward while wearing a Creighton uniform next year. So huge news for the Blue Jays. And again, I think it's the right move for Trey Alexander. The way he's improved has been remarkable. Makes me think he's going to get even better and he's going to have the ball in his hands more with this roster, which I think is going to be exciting for Creighton and exciting for him. So this is really exciting for Trey Alexander and Greg McDermott and the Creighton Blue Jays. And with Kalkbrenner, let's talk about Kalkbrenner. With Kalkbrenner, man, so for for as much as I just gushed over Trey Alexander and for much as I think Baylor Shireman returning is enormous and he's poised for a big year, don't get it twisted. The MVP of this team and by far the most important player to return is Ryan Kalkbrenner, period. Kalkbrenner's presence gives this team a chance to be a second weekend top 15 type of team. He's the guy. We saw it last year. We saw it in real time. We saw what this team looked like without Kalkbrenner when he had mono and wasn't 100% when he had mono. We saw what what this team looked like. At one point, they lost six in a row. And then we saw what this team looked like with a fully healthy Kalkbrenner. They went to the Elite Eight. Perhaps you've heard. Perhaps you watched It's a big difference. The biggest news of this offseason with Creighton's roster was retaining Kalkbrenner. And like Trey Trey Alexander, I think Ryan Kalkbrenner is making the right decision. You know, it's just so hard. The center position, it is in such an interesting spot in basketball and in particular the NBA right now. Like, think about it. 15, 20 years ago, Kalkbrenner is probably a top 20 pick. Maybe even a lottery pick. If it's the 2000 draft, if it's the 2005 draft, if it's the 1997 draft, a player like Kalkbrenner is is maybe like the 17th pick in the draft, the 13th pick in the draft. But in 2023, with the three-point shot and all the small ball and the switching five ways and all that stuff, the center position is a unique one. People are not posting up as much. Now, there is a little bit of a center renaissance with Jokic and with Embiid and those guys, but you watch them play. I mean, those guys are, I mean, Embiid can shoot. Embiid's, I mean, and Jokic is, the way he can pay, he's like a point guard at at the center spot, like, but there's just not a lot of Alonzo mornings and and dudes that are just posting up. You throw the ball into them, and like you just don't see a lot of those guys anymore. It's not how a lot of teams play. So, Kalkbrenner likely wasn't going to get drafted, making his decision a little easier. But he's a guy that could showcase a few things to play his way into up the draft board and maybe being drafted next next season if he shows he can step out step out and shoot the three a little bit. I think he's got a chance. You know what he can do defensively in terms of being long and disrupting things at the rim. I think he's got a shot at it. I, I look at him as a a Brooke Lopez comp in the NBA in terms of like a goal for him to try to aspire to be. He's certainly not Lopez right now, but like could could he get on the path of like best case scenario, he's like a little bit like Lopez, maybe. Keep in mind, 
Brooke Lopez only took 21 total threes in his two years of college. And amazingly enough, I couldn't believe I looked this up, Lopez, Brooke Lopez only made three total threes in his first eight years in the NBA. And then all of a sudden, he started shooting them. And now the dude is routinely making over 100 threes each year. And he shoots it around 34, 35, 37%. He's become like a legit stretch five rim protector. Now, the thing that that Colt could do is like Colt can also like, he's probably, you know, catching lobs at the rim and all those sorts of things. But, you know, Kalkbrenner, could could he do that? I don't know. Maybe he's got a pretty shot. Like, you watch Kalkbrenner shoot, it look, good mechanics, good form. The ball comes out of his hands nice. He gets good rotation. You look at his free throw percentage, he shoots that at a good clip, so you know he's got touch. You know it's, like, possible for him. So, you know, we, lo- we love NBA comps when it comes to the, the draft. Maybe he could become a Brooke Lopez-type dude. But he certainly got to showcase a bit more to be on that sort of path, if you will. And maybe next year, instead of always pick roll to the rim, maybe he picks and pops a little bit and steps out and shoot. I mean, he did that a little bit this year. He took a couple of threes this year, more than a couple. Made made a big one against NC State. I mean, he in the NCAA tournament, like he he can step out, but he maybe do that a little bit more routinely. But back to the point, I think Kalkbrenner made the right decision. I don't think he was going to get drafted. Uh, and like I've said before with this Kalkbrenner looming decision all that stuff, listen, if Drew Timmy decides to come back to college multiple years, Trace Jackson Davis decides to come back to college, Zach Eady, he announced today he's coming back to college, the reigning national player of the year. Hunter Dickinson staying in college, going to Kansas. If all those guys stay in college, didn't enter the draft, felt like there wasn't a place for them in the league, then Kalkbrenner should probably stay too. Kalkbrenner should probably stay too. So I think he made the right decision. And like I said at the beginning, this guy, Kalkbrenner, is the guy for Creighton. He's the guy. Because think about right now, after Kalkbrenner's junior year, three years at Creighton, Kalkbrenner is putting together quite the resume. Three years, Kalkbrenner, three years, three NCAA tournament appearances, scored over 1,000 points in three seasons. He has six NCAA tournament wins, most of any Creighton player in program history. One Elite Eight, one Sweet 16. He's a two-time Big East Defensive Player of the Year. First team All-Big East last year third nationally in field goal percentage last year, two straight years now, top five nationally in field goal percentage in the country, and is currently sixth in NCAA history in field goal percentage for his career. I mean, damn, that's pretty good. And with him coming back, Ryan Kalkbrenner is a legit national defensive player of the year candidate next season. And a legit first-team All-American candidate as well. And if he wins Big East Defensive Player of the Year again for the third time, it will only be him and Patrick Ewing who have won Big East Defensive Player of the Year three times. Pretty good company to have. 
and three times Big East three three time Big East defensive player of the year is next level rarefied air. So this is a guy who has already put together a really impressive resume, and he's got a chance to add to it in a major way. So huge news for Creighton, retaining him, massive for Greg McDermott and the Blue Jays. So, you know, now with like the roster, like that, now you have a better understanding of what this roster is going to look like, right? For so long, there was so much in flux, like, hey, what's going to happen here? We're there. Who are they bringing in? Who's what's going to, is he going to stay? Is he going to go? Is Kalkbrenner coming? Is Trail Xander going to be back? Now you know, for the most part. And with Kalkbrenner back, Trey Alexander back, Billy Scheinman back, Stephen Ashworth che- transferring in. Because it was always so hard to do these preseason rankings until you knew who was going to be on the roster. Now you kind of know. And I think Creighton's expectations are going to be really high again. And they should be. I think this is a legit second weekend NCAA tournament team. And when you get to that point, anything is possible like we just saw. I, I have no reason to believe that you know, Creighton could get right to the situation they were at this last season, and who knows what happens. But I think this is a legit preseason top 10, top 15 team. I think all that is fair. I think all that is reasonable, and I think all that is fairly realistic. Yes, they got holes to fill. No doubt about it. This is not a perfect team. Steven Ashworth has to prove it at the Big East level and run the show as a starting point guard. He did it at Utah State. He did it in the Mountain West Conference. He's got to be able to do it at Creighton in the Beast. I think he can do it, but he's got fairly big shoes to fill with Nemhart's departure. Arthur Kaluma leaves an athleticism void that is real. Creighton was already just a I, I, shaky. The athleticism of the roster, not, not great, and they just lost their best athlete in Kaluma. That four spot, that that four position, that four spot is a big question. Between Isaac Trout, Mason Miller, Jason Green, somebody has to step up at the four. You know, you Ashworth, Trey Alexander, Shireman, Kalkbrenner. You know those four, like lock them in, lock it in. Who's going to start at the four? Who's going to play the lion's share of the minutes at the four? That's a huge hole, and without question, the bear, the glaring big question with the lineup. And can Creighton find some bench production and some real depth, which was sorely lacking last year, which was a big issue last year? Can they fix that? Those are all questions. But here's what we do know. Kalkbrenner's a monster. Arguably the best defender in the country. Creighton has been a top 20 Ken Palm defense the last two years. With Kalkbrenner back and in, in patrolling the, the paint, Creighton likely is going to have another top 20 defense, which gives you a chance in every game, regardless of who you're playing. He's an elite rim protector, and he's elite scoring around the rim. First team, all-American caliber player. Trey Alexander, he's like a dark horse Big East player of the year type guy. Great three-level scorer. 40% three-point shooter, real player at that guard spot, can create his own shot at the end of the shot clock, at the end of games. You know what you got there. Baylor Shireman, experienced, savvy, smart, 
winner. Fifth-year senior, great playmaker, great shooter, great defensive rebounder. He's got a little shit to him that I like. I think he. I think after getting adjusted to Creighton and adjusted to the Big East, I think he's going to have a big year. And Stephen Ashworth, he's one of the five or ten best three-point shooters in the country. Again, made 111 threes last year over at, at an over 40% clip and led Utah State to the NCAA tournament. He can stroke it. Those four guys are real dudes, especially Kalkbrenner, Trey, and and Trey Alexander and Bailey Sharman. And what I like about those, the four guys we're kind of highlighting, they're old. They're old. They're experienced. One's engaged. One's married. That's right. Ashworth is married. Kalkbrenner's engaged. Probably drive minivans to the game and shit, you know? <laughs> Those four guys, they're old. They got th- so three seniors and a junior. Ashworth already went on his Mormon mission. He's like 25 years old. And you know what? Old wins in college basketball now. And we know Greg McDermott can coach. So, yes, there is a lot to like about this team. It's far from perfect. It's, it's not without questions and without holes and, and, all, and concerns, but there's a lot to like. Alexander, Shireman, Kalkbrenner, scoring at the rim, defending the rim, got a little shooting on the perimeter. So, there, another exciting year potentially on deck with Creighton. They just sweat a little bit in Blue Jay land all the way up to the deadline. But Kalkbrenner, back. Alexander, back. And I'll end, I'll end by saying this. So there's, there are a lot of issues with NIL and how it's impacted college sports and, and impacted recruiting and everything. No question about that. But I'll say this, and I've said it before. One of the positives of NIL is how it allows for college basketball to retain its top players and get them to stay in college. College basketball now has a system in place, a pathway in place, where the top players can earn real money staying in college, and they don't have to chase a paycheck overseas in Russia or Turkey or Israel or anywhere else in Europe. They can stay in college and made a, make a great NIL chunk of cash. They don't have to chase the G League path to get any sort of paycheck. They can stay in college and get some good NIL money. So for as much as we all kind of squirm and kick and scream and cry about the lack of parameters and rules and guidelines in place with, the, with NIL and college sports, one of the issues that college basketball had was retaining its best players. And on some level, NIL does address that. When dudes like Drew Timmy keep coming back to Gonzaga, that's good for the sport. And dudes like Hunter Dickinson stay for another year in college, that's good for the sport. And Trace Jackson Davis stayed at Indiana for another year, that's good for college basketball. And Zach Eady 
the national player of the year, had a monster year last year, decides he's coming back to Purdue for another year, that's good for college basketball. All that is great for the sport. And for as much as Ryan Kalkbrenner and Trey Alexander and Baylor Shireman love Creighton, let's not kid ourselves. If there wasn't a little NIL money involved, I don't think all three of them are back in Omaha for another season. So I just got to acknowledge that angle of all this. NIL has its issues. But it's nice to see a day where there is a system in place that allows the top players to stay in college basketball. And I'll say this, man. I I can't wait for, for college hoops next year. So cheers to college basketball, everyone. Should be a great year for everybody. Cheers. A Huda Media Production.